Hello, and welcome back to the Baseball Trade Values Podcast. My name is Joshua Iverson, and I am the associate editor of BaseballTradeValues.com, joined, as always, by founder and owner John Bitzer. John, how's your week been treating you? How are you liking the playoffs so far? Uh, week is going good, and I kind of like the playoffs so far because, you know, there's not... They, they all seem competitive, uh, with mm-hmm. the exception of maybe the Houston White Sox series, uh, where Houston is up too low as, as we record this. Uh, mm-hmm. But the other ones seem like they're going back and forth quite a bit, so it's very interesting and good watching. Um, I thought the wild card games were good, so um, uh, so yeah, so far so good. Yeah, just a, a quick note at the at the front here. We are recording this on Sunday well, morning for me, midday for John. Um, but uh, so we still have not gotten a resolution on game three in the uh, White Sox Astros series. So by the time you're hearing this, the White Sox could be eliminated if they do get swept there. But every other series is going to a game four. They're all tied at one game apiece. And they've all I agree, they've all been great. A lot of fun. Uh, I'd be interested to hear your perspective. We're going to talk about it a lot more in depth later. Um, uh, we got we got some some plans this episode on talking about the two teams that have officially been eliminated at the time of recording. But I'd be interested to hear your thoughts from the East Coast on that uh, Red Sox Yankees wild card game. Um, well, I live in the New York City area, so um, I don't know too many Red Sox fans. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm like you know I'm inundated with Yankees and Red Sox, especially around my um, youth baseball fellow coaches. <laughs> They're all wearing Yankees or Mets hats. Um, but not so much Red Sox. Um, but, you know, what I've seen and heard about, um, you know, it's it's intense. Um, I know more Red Sox fans than Rays fans. But, um, you know, so I think they I think Red Sox fans that I know are are sensible and know that they're up against a big challenge. They know their GM used to, you know, work for the Rays. And so they know they have kind of a similar they're, they're evolving towards a similar sort of style of management. And I think they've become more appreciative of that. Like if you think back to the Mookie Betts trade and, oh, they were, you know, how could you trade our star? And now they're like, oh, yeah, we're good. <laughs> so um, so I think there's that sort of change. Uh, let me know. But I'm only talking about the people I know. I don't know mm-hmm. about the hardcore Red Sox fans in Boston. Mm-hmm. And then I'd wager this past week around those Yankees fans, they, they haven't exactly been the happiest. No, they have not. And again, some are more sensible than others, but you get your share of, hey, you know, let's trade Gary Sanchez for a top of the rotation starter. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love love that time of year. Um, <laughs> from, from a pure, from someone with very little rooting interest in either of those two wild card games, it was really just, oh, great, these four teams. Like, <laughs> you, you, they probably ended up being the four. Uh, What's the way to word this? The most unliked teams in the country. The, most, <laughs> the, the, the four teams that a lot of baseball fans would put at the top of their list as of, of least favorite or most hated or anything like that. So <laughs> really, it was kind of an eye roll. But just in general, as again, from that kind of neutral standpoint, I thought the Yankees Red Sox game was surprisingly boring for for what should have been a really <laughs> exciting matchup between those two teams and the Dodgers Cardinals game was a surprisingly exciting for what should have been the Dodgers just steamrolling St. Louis. I yeah. I, I was very surprised by both uh, not not so much surprised by both outcomes. I, I had the Yankees winning, but I knew it was going to be close either way. Um but just surprised by how both of those games kind of shaped out. Yeah. 
I'm actually more surprised that the White Sox have looked so flat. Um, yeah. I thought they were a really strong team, and I don't know if it has anything to do with playing in the AL Central and just kind of coasting in the second half. And whoa, you know, now they seem like they oh they got to wake up, you know. So uh, uh, that's the vibe I get from them. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a whole lot of playoff-related discussions planned for later on in the episode, namely, like I said, with those teams that have been eliminated already. But first, we have some news to get into, and the most active team as of late is a team that came nowhere near sniffing the playoffs and pretty much planned on that all season. And that's the Colorado Rockies. Uh, they, ooh, they're making some decisions lately. <laughs> so first off, they went ahead and uh, uh, they full they hired on Bill Schmidt full-time. So he was serving as their interim general manager and they went ahead and hired him full on to continue running the show which was to me at least a bit surprising considering uh, to many in the industry he kind of bungled the trade deadline for them you can you can look at that however you want and and we'll never know for sure what kind of offers they were actually getting for trevor story if they if they truly did not exceed the draft pick value then then yeah of course he had to hold on to him but it seemed a little strange that story was still there and john gray and uh uh, Daniel, Daniel Bard? Daniel Bard, Daniel Bard. and the yes. CJ Crown, yeah. Yes, yeah. And, and so at least with uh, at least with Gray, there was there was some buzz that like, yeah, they really want to keep him. He's a Coors. He's a guy who succeeded in Coors and and likes it there. And and so they wanted to look into an extension at the end of the season. And and at least with Crone, I mean, as we're about to get to, they did end up extending him. Uh, but Bard is a, is a weird one. And and story we will never know about but but apparently they liked what schmidt was doing that i don't know if that if that says more about schmidt if that says more about the state of the rockies higher ups i I don't know what that says but they liked him enough to keep him on board and in his first moves as the official full-time general manager he went ahead and as i mentioned extended cj crone which i think was a pretty inoffensive deal two years 14 and a half million dollars he's been crushing it at Coors, why not? And especially if they do think the DH is coming to the National League, that's a very clear spot for him. So I don't think there's any real issue to be taken with that, but I think there was a whole lot of pushback on the other one. Uh, they extended Antonio Sensatella to a five-year, $50.5 million, uh, deal with a 2027 club option. Sensatella has really, I mean, he, which year was that? I believe that was uh, 2020 that he looked very good but its peripherals did not support it at all and he's kind of had some success in cores but kind of not really he's been really more of a back-end guy and it just it feels like a lot of money for a guy like that so john what's what was your immediate reaction to senzatella and what do the numbers say so you know sometimes perception and reality are two different things and we find this a lot you know because the numbers actually say this is a very fair deal um, because when you actually break it down to an AAV and look at what his numbers are, they're not that bad. Um, so, you know, um, he's worth $50 million and he's getting $50 million. So mm-hmm. even as a back end, well, I wouldn't say he's more like a four, you know. And yes, that's on the Rockies four. So if you were on the Dodgers, he'd be, you know, a swingman or whatever. But, um, but it's not that bad. Um, according to the numbers, anyway. Uh, excuse me. And, 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 you know, I think it points to the larger fact that, you know, what you see as a pattern here is the Rockies are really loyal to their, you know, um, to their internal personnel, to their on-the-field personnel. 
uh, that they like. They like their guys and they stick with them. And, you know, there's been a lot of jokes on Twitter like, yeah, they're rolling it back. That's their strategy. We won 70 games. Let's do it again. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, let's lock up the guys that, you know, that, that won a 70 game. You know, and, but I think, and I made this point earlier, you know, I think they put a lot of um, emphasis on, um, you know, selling tickets and, and, you know, the fan experience and likable guys that are their guys. So the fans mm-hmm. know they can come and see those guys. And that's what they're hoping to do. I think with John Gray and maybe to some extent, you know, maybe if they resign story, I don't know if he's going to or not, but I think that's what they try to do is they lock in their fan favorites. I don't know. I I'm not in Colorado. Maybe Sensatella is a fan favorite, um, but it's not the most egregious deal. I've seen far worse. Yeah. I, I think, my gut reaction when it came out was really that much. And then, you know, the more I think about it, the more you actually look at, you know, past the Coors inflated numbers and into the real numbers, it's like, okay, that does make sense. But it still just feels like there's, and it's largely because of Coors, but it feels like there's just a lot of risk there that even if he is at fair 50, I I think there's a lot more volatility there than there would have been for a lot of other players kind of in that range. Um, and that just comes from having such a low strikeout rate in Coors. And mm-hmm. the, you look at his 2020 season, which was by far the best of his career, and, and he was one of the best starters in baseball by B-War and just kind of a guy <laughs> by F-4 because B-War just goes by runs allowed. And he was great at run prevention, but none of his peripherals really matched up with that at all. Um, and then in 2021, a lot of his success came from limiting home runs and, and how sticky do you expect that to be at Coors so there's I think there's legitimate reason for for question marks for um, some criticism from from just the rest of the baseball world on it but I think I think it got too much of that I think there's some healthy criticism and then there's people not quite getting it not quite seeing past the you know what's his career ERA the his 484 career ERA like yeah that a 484 career career ERA typically isn't getting 50 million dollars but that's not what Sensatella is he's he's more complicated than that um and to your point about kind of the Rockies strategy and their whole keep these guys around sell tickets kind of thing <laughs> Schmidt was quoted um I believe it was in, it was in the press conference for him being officially hired on uh, he was quoted as saying that we're not the Dodgers. We have to draft and develop these guys. And it's like, okay, who? <laughs> <laughs> who have you drafted and developed? I mean, Arnado's story and crickets. Yeah, and don't the Dodgers actually do that? Marcus yes. Mueller and can point a bunch, you know, a bunch of other guys. And yes, they've mixed and matched with other, mm-hmm. you know, pieces that they found here and there. But but they do a very well. Smith's another good example. They do a fair amount of developing. So uh, yeah, that no. If you want to... Riley <laughs> Riley Pint, their former first round yeah. pick, retired yeah. in the middle of the season. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's that's just kind of been par for the course with some of their first rounders as of late, and it looks like Zach Veen, uh, their first rounder in 2021, yeah, uh, it looks like he's the real deal. He he was killing it all season, and and he might be kind of a, a new uh, a new hope for them to dream on, but not a whole lot else on the farm behind him, and everyone just seems to kind of scuffle as they move up the farm, and pitchers struggle because. You know, their entire minor league system is kind of trying to prep them for Coors. And so they got some high elevation ballparks within their system. I believe so, actually. Uh, now that I think about it, the minor league realignment, do they still have Albuquerque as their AAA? 
I haven't checked. Uh, okay, I will do that very quickly. Um, but just in general, their system has not been good. <laughs> and it's, it's, we've talked about this over and over again, that they, uh, they just don't really know what they're doing. They're kind of treading water in mediocrity. And yes, they are the, the Albuquerque Isotope still is their AAA team. Um, but they're just kind of treading water in mediocrity here where they, yeah, they keep bringing back some of these major league pieces that won 70 games the season before and not doing anything to really improve the minor league system and wondering why they're not getting better. It, they're not committing in either direction. And yeah, we saw that with how long they waited to trade Nolan Arenado. We saw that with, again, how long they waited and ended up not trading Trevor Story. And I don't know what they think they're doing. Yeah, and that is the... We're bearing the lead here. They do not have a strategy. Everyone hoped that, okay, we're going to get a new GM who's going to have a strategy. And no, <laughs> they've got a guy who's been around who's a, who's a, you know, a loyal lieutenant to the owner who doesn't have a strategy. So they're mm-hmm. going to continue to wallow in whatever it is <laughs> they're doing. <Yeah. laughs> um, strategy world. <laughs> Because you, in that division, you absolutely need a strategy. Because you've got the Dodgers, who are the kings of strategy. They, they, mm-hmm. They've had this planned out, and they're, they're just a machine at this point. And the Giants, who came out of nowhere this season, but they, and even if you don't buy what happened this season entirely, I, I don't entirely, they have some premier young talent coming onto the scene that's going to add yeah. into these older veterans over the next couple years, and they're going to be pretty fierce. And then you got the Padres, who are, pissed <laughs> they're they did not want this last season to go the way that it did and they're not going to let that happen again and that's not even to mention the d-backs have a pretty good farm system so where do the rockies think they fit into that like they're they're not going to have they have a couple valuable major league pieces ryan mcmahon has really become a solid player but you need more than that in that division and they don't really have too much around that so i don't know I don't know. I'm shrugging my shoulders. I, I, I don't know yeah. how many other I think ways the entire, I can say that. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think the entire baseball world uh, is shrugging their shoulders and, and well, um, is confused about what they're mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. And, and I think maybe time will tell. You know, if they go through another couple of losing seasons, you're going to hopefully, you know, the bell will ring. They're like, oh, we needed a strategy. So we're just going to have to wait. Mm-hmm. I feel for Rockies fans. I mean, <laughs> yeah. gorgeous ballpark, and yeah, you got a few names around to root for still, but who knows how long it'll be until your team has a real direction. Yeah. All right. On that happy note, <laughs> let's move on to the uh, to the other two pieces of news from this last couple weeks. Um, just a quick update as we're talking about front offices. Uh, apparently, reportedly, there has been no traction between the Mets and Theo Epstein on their front office opening. Uh, the Mets have been overhauling everything. <laughs> their, their coaching staff, they've been making some pretty significant changes, and they're still looking for one of those big-name baseball operations leaders um, to, to really take over the front office and fix things <laughs> under Steve Cohen. And Theo Epstein seemed like a long shot from the beginning. He's working with MLB's offices, uh, the commissioner's office, to try and fix the game. And when he announced that, it, it didn't seem like it was going to be just a one-year thing. It seemed like he was kind of in it for the long haul, wanted to take a break from running teams and to actually try and help the game grow. And and reports also came out that when he does get back to teams, he wants to do so in some sort of an ownership role as well as part of an ownership group. So 
didn't seem like a good match for him in New York at all, and it's seeming very unlikely. We haven't. We've heard some mixed reports about Billy Bean, and he kind of gave a non-answer when asked about it at the A's end of season press conference. So he's maybe still a possibility there. Um, it seems David Stearns, who was another name on their radar. I mean, we won't hear anything concrete about that until if and when the Brewers are eliminated. Um, but it, that seems like a bit of a long shot because they've they've been guarding him pretty pretty closely for a while, and for good reason. He's he's done a really great job in Milwaukee. Um, but yeah, it seems like Theo's out of it, and it would be quite Mets of them to miss out on Bean and Stearns as well, and just end up settling for another agent or something. Yeah, I mean the one name I'm starting to hear a little bit is Josh Burns, who's mm. you know the number two guy under Andrew Friedman and at the Dodgers. Um, and he's been around the block, right? He's been a GM, and, and he's got, I think, the re- you know requisite experience to maybe be that guy. Like, that's one possibility. It's a long shot, I'm sure. I'm sure the Dodgers would be uh, reluctant to let him go. Um, but, but that is one possibility. Um, I, I, I think I've said this before. Billy Bean is, it seems, I, I have my doubts about it because the, I think he needs a new challenge, and, and I think we saw a signal of that with the you know, reports, you know, last off season that he was involved in a, um, an, a new ownership, uh, SP, a SPAC, uh, as they call it, it's a new sort of concept where it's basically an investment company that buys other sports ownership groups. And so he was going to be involved in that, which would have meant divesting his ownership of the A's and going in a totally new direction, which is much more financially driven and a little bit more sort of higher level, executive level. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, to me, that sent a signal that a, he's ready to move on, but in a new capacity, not in a let's do the same old job just somewhere else kind of kind of way. So that's why I have my doubts. And, you know, the only other sort of, you know, counter to that is, you know, he obviously has not won a World Series with the A's, despite trying very hard and succeeding to a certain point, but he hasn't gotten over that hump. And so maybe with Cohen's money, you know, he could be enticed to actually build a World Series winner there. I'm skeptical that he's got that much you know, <laughs> left in the tank baseball-wise. I think he wants a new direction, but we'll see. I could be wrong. I think it is owed to both Bean's legacy and to the baseball world to see what he could do with a real budget. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if that happens with the A's anytime soon, because I, I believe we discussed last week they're kind of stadium <laughs> stalemate. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I, I agree that I don't know if this year is the year for that. Maybe he takes a few years off to either be more on on that ownership side or you know he's always been very passionate about soccer i believe he he has some level of involvement with one uh european football team uh i that is that is my least (laughs) least experienced area don't (laughs) don't quote me on any of that um but it, it does seem to make a lot of sense for him to take a couple years off from baseball and then maybe return to that kind of a role and and get that last chance at you know at the ring and seeing what he could do with some money and seeing if he still got it that kind of thing uh but i i agree i don't know if that happens this offseason yeah and and you know the other thing is there really aren't any other obvious candidates i mean maybe they're talking to turn off in cleveland again but he already said no last year Mm -hmm. i mean there just aren't you know there's a very finite pool of candidates that can actually run a baseball team there's only 30 baseball teams and most of them are taken so it's like you know what are you going to do um go outside the baseball world probably not given the importance of the job 
so they are stuck. I'll be curious to see how that resolves itself, but they are stuck. And Sandy's grumpy because he doesn't want to run the team. He wants to retire. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I'd rephrase that there aren't – it's not that there aren't enough candidates. It's that there aren't enough candidates that are really what they're looking for because they are so dead set on big name with experience and mm, previous yeah. success. Like, they're looking for that big swing after – you know, the, the failure of Brody Van Wagenen and the failure of not having a real GM <laughs> and, yeah. and everything that happened this last season. They're they're trying to swing big, and there aren't many of those names, and they're all big names for a reason. Their teams want to hang on to them. Yeah, um, if there were another Dave Dombrowski type, like, it, if he were mm-hmm. still available, he would be an obvious fit, I think. Yeah. You know, but the yeah. Phillies grabbed him last year, obviously. Uh, but, but I can't think of another one of those kind of guys that's floating around there, you know. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see about that. I think we'll get, like I said, I think we'll get a little bit more news on that if the Brewers are eliminated and we hear a little bit more about Stearns. But this could also be a long process for them because they might just be stuck with no yeah. <laughs> with no great candidates, like we just said. All right, let's transition into the St. Louis Cardinals. So they, uh, this was actually prior to the their playoff loss, their wild card game loss. They announced that they extended right-hand pitcher Adam Wainwright to a one-year, $17.5 million deal. He just turned 40 and finished a very, very good season, a very surprisingly good season, um, and actually started that wildcard game, and he was pretty good. He only gave up one run and I believe, like six, six and a third innings, something like that. Um, but this is just, they're, they're bringing the band back together one more time between him and Yachty. They already announced the Yadier Molina extension, so the two of them are coming back for one last ride together in 2022. And it kind of leads into this this grander question here. Uh, we're part of our our episode today. We're going to be focusing on those two teams that have been eliminated, the the Cardinals and the Yankees, and kind of just what their offseason outlook is because they're both in kind of kind of weird spots, different spots, but weird spots. And the Cardinals are out here already uh, allocating more than twenty million dollars to Wainwright and Molina. And at least in Wainwright's perspective, or in Wainwright's case, you can you can see the argument. He was still very very good for them uh, this past season. And even if you don't expect that to repeat itself necessarily, he's been a workhorse. He's 17 and a half is not egregious for even a mid rotation starter. And I think he he's got every chance in the world to be better than that. So in, inoffensive. Molina, it's a little bit tougher to see. It's really on the name value there. He's he's falling off. His defense isn't what it used to be. His offense is nowhere near what it used to be. Um, and it, it's just a lot of money to allocate to those two while they're already paying Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt a lot of money. So they're they're committing a lot of money there, and they clearly have some holes. They kind of snuck into the playoffs. It took a 17-game win streak for them to even make it, even with all those expensive, talented players. So what do you... What do you see as kind of their path this offseason? Where where do they go from here? And what do you think about the, the Wainwright move? Yeah, I'll start with the latter half of that question. Uh, the Wainwright move, in, one, in, in some ways it doesn't surprise me. Uh, well, actually, in most ways it doesn't surprise me because the Cardinals love their guys, right? They like to bring them back. We were just talking about that with the Rockies, but at least the Cardinals do it with the right guys. And I'm going to say that in quotation marks because – you know, they're, they're guys that have produced a lot for them, are fan favorites, and are real actually on paper. Well, I'm not sure about Molina necessarily, but, I'll but Wainwright had put up 3.8 F4 last year. I mean, that is, that's up there, 
you could say he's an ace, but he and he's also just turned forty years old. Like, so so that's a pretty impressive feat. Now in our model, we rely on ed- aging curves as as players get into their thirties, and this is the most interesting part of this, I think, is when you get with starting pitchers, you don't see very many of them at forty years old doing what he's doing, but especially at forty years old, even in the game, and even in the game and healthy. You know, I mean, Rich Hill is the only other one I can think of off the top of my head. He's 41, and he pitches like two innings at a time because he's not very durable anymore. Wainwright mm-hmm. has proven that he's durable. So he's an exception to the aging curve is is my point. So our aging curve in our model didn't even go up to age 40 because there were just not – there were no sample, sample mm-hmm. sizes big enough for it, right? So like, okay, so we'll just pretend he's in really great shape. And I think it ends at age 38. And so, okay, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt of an age 38 player. And even at that, it's an overpay. Um, he's worth 12.3, according to our model. Um, mm-hmm. You know, given the uh, excellent season he's just had. You know, but, you know, they're kicking a little bit more. But the other part of it is scarcity. Uh, because they don't really have, I mean, Flaherty's been injured all year. You know, who else do they have in their rotation? It's kind of a mess, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know they need Wainwright not only to lead the the rotation and be a mainstay. He's been their rock, but he's also kind of the leader of their team. You know, in the clubhouse, and you hear all these stories about what a great guy he is and how he how he mentors the younger players. You know, he, they need all that. It's like you know he's like a second manager of the team. So um, so I think they paid a little extra for that. Um, so in that sense, I I don't think it's egregious at all. I'm, I'm I actually like it when when people you know pay their guys and you know do do the right thing here so good on the cardinals for doing that uh, but they also needed to i think because you know once once you start to get into roster management that's a much bigger question and to your first half of your question on the one hand i think they're okay because position player wise if you actually look around their outfield seems set tyler o'neill had a great year harrison bader actually provided more offense than he would have expected in place still mm-hmm great center field dylan carlson feels like he's coming into his own now and i think he's poised for an even better uh run he's still very young and he's already kind of holding his own so there's a that outfield is solid right you got aaron otto at third you got goldschmidt at first i think between sosa and i think sosa's taking over the shortstop job and mm-hmm. you know and i think you're solid I mean, tommy Edmonds seems to have taken over the second base job so and the, both of those guys are kind of cardinal type players you got molina behind the plate so i think you're set on the position player side Bullpen has been pretty good with Rays and Gallegos and, uh, you know, a couple other guys. They seem to kind of manufacture these guys internally to some degree. Some do, some don't. Luis um, Garcia. Yeah, Luis Garcia. Well, they picked him up. And, like, who yeah. knew, uh, he's, like, 34. He's been around the block that didn't have any value in our model. All of a sudden, he pops up. And, like, I don't know what happened there. Um, <laughs> but but uh, we've adjusted those numbers. But still, he's, he's you know, he's a, I think he's a free agent after this. So, um, but the rotation. All that said, they're pretty solid around across the board, except for the rotation. So they need Wainwright to anchor that. I think in the going forward, they're going to have to, um, if they've got any money, they've got to play in the in the free agent starting market. Maybe not at the Scherzer level, but at least, you know, at the sort of second tier level. Maybe second, first tier. Like Kevin Gosman would be a good fit there, I think. Um, so I think they've got to get at least one or two more of those guys, because um, I don't see much coming internally either, other than Flaherty coming yeah. back with a solid year. But they need like probably two more starters. Yeah, yeah. There's there's Flaherty coming back. There's 
Daniel Hudson, or excuse me, not Daniel Hudson, Dakota, Dakota. Hudson, yeah. who came back from injury, and you don't really know what to expect from him innings-wise next year. He came back as a reliever, um, and, and kind of in that same boat, Miles Michaelis, who was very yeah. good a few years back and then struggled and then missed all of 2020 and most of the season with injury. I believe it was Tommy John. Um, so don't really know what to expect from him. But this is this is a team that traded for Jay Happ and John Lester on purpose because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they needed to. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. They, I, I agree with kind of your assessment on the offense. I, I think I I love Tyler O'Neill and I love the season he just put together, but there are some flags there. Um, the, the strikeout rate, very high. The BABIP, very high. And he's a guy that just crushes the ball. This is 2021. We're not just looking at, oh, high BABIP, he's going to regress. He's He's been a high BABIP guy aside from a horrible 2020 season. Um, but I think there is some room for natural regression there to be expected. Um, and once you once you regress for that, there's not a ton of power in this lineup, although it is, like you say, it's it's pretty good one through eight. Uh, question mark with Yachty there, but yeah, <laughs> otherwise right. it's pretty solid. A bunch of guys you can at least expect to be average um, and probably a little bit above. And then the bullpen, yeah, they're good at producing those guys. And then they just kind of need to figure out the rotation. I mean, I think they could also be a little active on the trade market. They have some minor league pieces they can move that'll be kind of blocked. They don't really have much in form in the form of uh, up-and-coming minor league starting pitching. So oh. it would be more of a trade situation. Yeah. I don't think they're moving Nolan Gorman. I think they're pretty committed to finding a spot on the infield for him. But I think they have some names after that they could deal from on the farm. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, don't know if you have anything to add there. Yeah, I mean, uh, Liberatory, uh, is that how you say his last name? Matthew Liberatory is their top pitching prospect. Um, I think he's pretty close um, to being ready. I think he's AAA, mm-hmm. at the, you know, will be that next year. So I think they see, I think they've been grooming him for a rotation spot, you know, maybe he's debuting next year. So he could maybe help if he's ready. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Walker has broken out. Um, and he's another guy who's listed as a third baseman. I don't know if he'll stick there. But, you know, Gorman technically is a third baseman as well. I don't know if they – I know they've been playing him at second uh, lately. So maybe they stick with Gorman, but Walker maybe becomes a trade chip. Um, they're going to need Yvonne Herrera, who's their next sort of big uh, prospect. He's like fourth in their farm to replace Riotti. I think that's the mm-hmm. plan. And then they've got this very interesting guy named Mason Wynn, who's a two-way player. He's a shortstop and a pitcher, and we don't know mm-hmm. – it's not clear exactly what he's going to end up doing. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but teams – I know there were some rumors that teams were interested in him at the deadline, so so there may be a, a chip there. But after that, there's kind of a drop-off. So those mm-hmm. are their chips. Yeah. I I had overlooked uh, Liberator, Liberatory. For uh, some mm-hmm. reason, I thought he had a worse season this year than he did, but he was, he was quite good. He, mm-hmm. he, he's making his way up. He – Spent most of his season at AAA this year, so could and actually in the Olympics the too, door. I believe. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. did. So that could be okay. a name there, actually. Um, yeah. I also want to, while we're talking Cardinals here, I want to use this as an opportunity to pat ourselves on the back. Uh, have you, <laughs> Nolan Arenado? So he, yeah, uh, announced already that he will not be opting out, uh, as we very much expected. He's and, and what that tells you. <laughs> If he's not opting uh, out, yeah. <laughs> it means that he's not going to get more than that on the open market, more than his current contract on the open market, which means most likely he's getting yeah. a little bit overpaid, which is, yes, exactly what we thought at the time of the trade to St. Louis, that his contract was overpaying him. Additionally, mm-hmm. when you look at his 2021 season, it wasn't bad by any means. It was it was a very productive, it was a four-win season by fan graphs. Uh, but it, he, he was a six-win guy in Colorado. And that's yeah. a 
pretty sizable gap. That's from all-star to superstar. That That's a big gap there. Yep. I mean, the defense took a bit of a step back. The bat took a bit of a step back. And there still are injury concerns. And so not to ne- we're not taking any any excitement in this. I mean, we love watching Nolan Arenado play, and we want him to be great. He was great. He was fun to watch when he was great, and he still is fun to watch when he's just very good. But there's some justification there for <laughs> for our numbers and, and why we had his value as low as it was underwater when Colorado traded him to St. Louis and everyone freaked out that they didn't get any real prospects back. Yeah, this this is why, because he's not the same guy he used to be, and he's not going to be that guy. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for saying that. And, you know, the premise, our premise was, look, yeah, he's he's a four-win player, and he's going to, he's gonna as he gets into his 30s, he's going to continue to decline into a three-and-a-half, and then a three, and so on. And so he's not a six-word player. Those peak, you know, most players typically peak at age 26, 27. I believe he's just turned 30 now. So, yeah. um, so you know, he's in his decline years, and, and he starts to see that. And that's, that's, that's what, you know, so he's not worth the contract. Um so as we said at the time, you know, the mistake was the contract. The mistake was not the trade. The trade mm-hmm. was to get out of the contract because mm-hmm. they were just going to be overpaying for decline years. And now the Cardinals are overpaying for decline years uh, with some help from the Rockies, but it's still overpaying for decline years. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I think we nailed that one, I have to say. Yeah. And uh, does he, he actually does have an additional opt-out after 2022, but mm-hmm. this point, we're, we got to be looking at a 1% chance, if that, that that actually yeah. is exercised. Yeah, because he's not getting more money than he's going to be making at that con- yeah. with this contract. And he got an extra year to you know to boot, so there's mm-hmm. no way. You know, and he'll say yeah. all the right things. He loves mm-hmm. the Cardinals, blah, blah, blah. Of course he does, yeah. But he also loves the money, I'm sure. Yeah. If he had another superstar season this year, another get, gets back up into that 6-7 win territory, then I could I could hear an argument for he just doesn't want to hit the market this offseason when all the other shortstops are on the market and there's just going to be so much infield competition and not only so many spots and so much money to go around. I could hear that argument, but that's just not what happened this year. He wasn't he, he very noticeably took a step back and, and now is even more underwater because that's how contracts work. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's probably good on the Cardinals. Let's go ahead and transition over to the other wildcard losers. Uh, it's a little, little, <laughs> little fun to call them losers. Uh, the <laughs> New York Yankees. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, the uh, New York Yankees season was, was a weird one this year. It, it felt like a roller coaster from the outside. I can only imagine how fun it would be to be riding that as a Yankees fan. Uh, but it was, it was a whole lot of frustration, a whole lot of ups and downs, mostly downs, a whole lot of disappointment from players up and down the roster. And it ends up in a wild card loss to the Red Sox season over. That must have stung. <laughs> and now they're kind of they're kind of stuck now. They have a lot of money committed to a lot of different players, and not a lot of clear avenues for upgrades here. So, so John, what's your kind of assessment here? Oh boy, I feel like I should write an article about this because there's a <laughs> lot going on here. Um, the Yankees are stuck. They are in a bind. Um, Look, there's only two, you know, if you're going to want to, they are going to want to upgrade their team. Uh, no question, I think. They're not going to rebuild. They've still got Aaron Judge for one more year, which is a whole other issue, whether they resign him or not. And, you know, they've got Garrett Cole, who despite his playoff loss was excellent this year. He's mm-hmm. very much in his prime. Uh, and they've got some other good pieces. So, um, but when you look around, there's a lot of holes. They've effectively got two second basemen in LeMahieu and Torres because those are 
Defoe was probably their best uh, positions. Uh, they don't really have a shortstop. They don't really are losing Rizzo, so they don't really have a first baseman. Um, they've got a backup catcher who's in a starting role because they've given up on Gary Sanchez and, and for lots of reasons. They've got Stanton, who's oft injured. He had a good year, but he's really a DH, so they need two more outfielders because they don't get anything from Hicks and Gardner's over the hill. And then they've got um, um, Gallo, who's been disappointing since he, he got there, but maybe you pencil him in for you know his typical season. So they need a center fielder. They need left side of the, the, the infield. Um, Urshela's fine. You know, he's not as he didn't have the kind of season that he did when he first kind of broke out, but he could play a good third base. But they don't need they don't have a shortstop. So um, so they need a center fielder, a shortstop, a first baseman, a, and a catcher. And we haven't even talked about the rotation yet because they've got Cole and then some question marks. You know, Tyone. We'll see if he stays healthy. Montgomery's probably a three. You know, Herman is not really. You know, like they've just got a bunch of question marks. Right? They didn't get anything out of Kluber. Um, you know, and it's Severino's coming back, so maybe he's healthy. But they've been using him in the bullpen. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody, but you know, a couple of Nestor prospects. Cortez. Nestor Cortez came out of nowhere. You know, journeyman reliever to suddenly what? He's starting in big games, and he actually had a really good year. Yeah. So, but but I, I don't think the sample size is big enough there to say, yeah, he's a starter. I think, you know, I think what that is, they've got a really good pitching coach and, and hasn't been getting a lot of press. I think his name is Matt Blake. He's really kind of identifying opportunities, and he I think he turned around Cortez. And I think he's going to be working with some of their younger um, prospects like Luis Heal and uh, mm-hmm. Clark Schmidt and a couple other guys to see if we can get the most out of them. So there's probably some hope on the horizon there for those kind of guys. Uh, but they're the Yankees, right? So they need a number two starter. So now you think, okay, they need a center fielder, a shortstop, a first baseman, a catcher, a starter, <laughs> at least one starter. <laughs> bullpen got overused. They probably need another bullpen arm or two. Uh, Chapman was shaky. So like they've got all these holes to fill, right? And the Yankees, so you know they're going to go for it. But then you look at, to your point, they've got all this money tied up in Stanton's contract, in Cole's contract, you know, Judge is getting expensive, I feel like Lemayhew's contract. And if you do that, I did some, just out of curiosity, some some roster research checking, and I was like envisioning what they're, 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 um, they were trying to stay under the luxury taxes here, right? Which is around mm-hmm. 210. I think they ended up at like 207. If you don't even, um, if you just take the the guys that you know you're going to keep, that you have to keep that are under contract, and you know you're going to keep a couple of ARB guys, you, they're already at 200, and so like they don't, re- they're going to have to blow through the cap. That's option one, and say, okay, we were under, so maybe it's okay to go over this next year in 2022, and just buy on the free agent market just go shopping which they can do because they're the yankees as long as they want to as long as hal steinbrenner says it's okay to you know pull out the checkbook that's mm-hmm. option one that's door number one door number two is the trade market and they can start to trade the volpes and parazas and guys at the top of their farm because they're going to have to if they want to make significant upgrades um but then that's going to wipe out the top of their farm They've been reluctant to do that because the previous trades at the deadline were sort of in the middle. And even last offseason for Tyone and other guys, they were sort of middle and lower. But they haven't touched the top of their farm. They're going to have to do that. So they're going to have to pay the price either way. They are stuck if they really want to be serious about upgrading. They've got to go at, you know, some combination of those two things. Either way, it's going to hurt. Either you're going to be penalized or they're going to blow through their farm. So pick a, pick a strategy there, <laughs> Brian Cashman. <laughs> I think we are in line for an absolutely painful offseason from Yankees fans. We're going to uh-huh. see so many of the 
you know? What if they just trade Glaber Torres and Davey <laughs> Garcia and Clint Frazier for Shane Bieber? I That's think that what I, yeah. Both sides. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're going to see so much of that, and it's going to... We already uh, have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just check Twitter and, and hey, responses. Hey, see one of those tweets? Go ahead and tag us in it, and hopefully yeah. direct that misguided <laughs> Yankees homer to a website that can help them out. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, do you think... This is just, I have not thought this through more than the 30 seconds that it's been in my mind during this podcast recording. Do you think there's any chance they could try and flip Gallo? Yeah. I mean, his value has gone down because Mm -hmm. of both underperformance and time, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, here's the other thing. I mean, if you get down into the details of rotation, they are still too one-dimensional in terms of right-handed power hitters. And I know this is a cliche, but they need you know, the, the table setter kind of guys. Um, but they also traded for Rizzo and Gallo because they needed lefties and they can at least hit over the short pinch, uh, short porch over in right field. Um, so, but even that didn't help them that much. Um, their, their veteran trade chips, the one that all the fans want to get rid of have very little value. Um, you know, Clyber Torres in our model is down to eight. Um, Voigt is a zero. He's a non-tender. Um, Frazier, Andujar, those guys are not non-tenders. They have zero value. Uh, Gary Sanchez has zero value. He's got like he's worth like five or six, but he's, his arbitration salary is looking at around nine, maybe ten. So he's under. So that's a potential non-tender as well. So they're not going to get anything back in trade for those guys. So their trade get chips of. aren't trade chips. No, they're not. They're non-tenders. So um, you know, get a little bit for Gleiber. Um, you know, and then. You know, unless you want to, like, well, who else? I mean, Hicks is undervalued because, I mean, I'm sorry, under, way underwater because he hasn't played much and he's got a, another sort of unmovable contract. So you've got a, a few of those kind of guys. So, yeah, they're going to have to trade from their farm. Um, unless they want to flip Gallo, they can get something from him. But it's not going to be a game changer, right? He doesn't have enough value for that, neither does Torres. So those, those are two mm-hmm. guys you could trade, maybe Rochella as well. Um, but you're not going to get any, anything significant back. You're not going to get a, a number two starter. You're not going to get a, a star first baseman or a star center fielder. For that, you're going to really have to, you know, you know, be pain, dip into your farm, and it's going to be painful. So that is their choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there that they've done a good job, especially this last trade deadline. They did a really good job of trading from the middle of their farm. And even with having to ask all these other teams to eat the entire salaries for Rizzo and Gallo and uh, Yoeli Rodriguez and Andrew Haney, uh, they even with asking them to eat all that money, they still got away with only really moving from the middle of their farm, not moving any of those big blue chippers that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. yeah. I think something's got to budge here. They either got to blow past the luxury tax and make all of their additions either on the free agent market or acquiring you know, higher paid players whose salaries kind of drag their trade value down a little bit, or they got to say, okay, if we care about the luxury tax this much, it's time to move some of these bigger chips because that's the only way they're going to get legitimate talent to fill some of these holes. I, they can't, they can't keep playing this middle game anymore. They've kind of run out of time on that, run out of resources to to make that work. Exactly. And, you know, obviously it's a huge media market. So the media is already going to get on their case for, look, pick a strategy Uh 
are you going to be penny pinching or are you going to try to win? And they all obviously, all the articles are going to be like, come on, Steinbrenner, go for the win. Don't, you know, you shouldn't care about money. It's a huge friend. One of the, one of the most expensive, richest sports franchises, if not the most expensive sports franchise in the world. You've got plenty of value. You can afford to go over the luxury tax. Just buy free agents. And if they did that, that's fine. They can keep their stars. In them, sorry, keep their top prospects because what they're trying to do is have a sustainable model, right? So that they can eventually, you know, be a hybrid, kind of like the the Dodgers have done, where they mix, you know, they can they can trade for Mookie Betts, they can trade for a Scherzer, they can sign a big free agent, but they've also got Will Smith and and guys coming up from the farm that that are, you know, that are in Walker Bueller and other guys that are sort of sustainable, and they want a, a model like that. So they don't want to trade from their the top of their farm. Is clearly they didn't in the in the last two opportunities to. Um, so which points in the direction of just buy those upgrades then if you're going to do it do it you know so i suspect that is going to be and that's what they're going to get all the pressure to do is just go out and buy some big free agent names you know mm-hmm. they should be they're the yankees so they should be shopping in the scherzer aisle you know not in yeah, the bargain yeah. basement <laughs> yeah, it seems pretty guaranteed to me that they get one of the shortstops that i think mm-hmm. everyone kind of agrees that's a given and that's already a whole lot of money you're committing those guys are at least in the 20 to 30 million dollar range depending on which one you end up looking at mm-hmm. and you know maybe to make that happen they do non-tender sanchez non-tender uh mm-hmm. um who else was there voight um a couple of those yep. more expensive guys to clear up that room so they still are managing to fit under the luxury tax whatever but then i agree i think that that tier of those older aces that we've mentioned before how clayton kershaw justin verlander Zach Granke and uh, Max Scherzer are all going to be free agents this year. All, yeah. all future Hall of Famers hitting free agency at the same time in their late 30s. Yeah. Um, I think that tier could be one that they dip from because those guys aren't going to be as long of a commitment. They're they're going to be two, three-year deals tops, maybe with the exception of Scherzer, just with how good he's been. He could get a little bit longer than that. Uh-huh. Um, but they're all going to be shorter-term deals. And so maybe that's an area that they can look at and and try and thread the needle there as well and still nudge themselves under the tax but they'd have to get real creative for that and i don't think that's that's clearly not what their fan base wants their fan base wants like you said open up the checkbook blank blank checks everywhere just make this team good yeah i mean series yeah you know sign starling Marte to play your center to play center field you know he'd be exciting fun to watch you know excellent season um Mm -hmm. you know Buy one of the shortstops. Let's say it's Carlos Correa. Um, you know, first base. Maybe they re-sign Rizzo. They seem to like him. Um, mm-hmm. Catcher. That's a problem because there's scarcity. There's not too many good hitting catchers out there. You know, I'm hearing the name Tucker Barnhart. Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> not very exciting, but okay. He's probably maybe a... that's the spot you <laughs> trade for if you absolutely have yeah, to. Okay, yeah. go get Wilson Contreras. Yeah, now that would make sense, right? And you know, it's not going to cost him that much. Um, so in trade. So, you know, he's in the low teens or somewhere in there. Um, I'll have to check. But, yeah, so that's an option. He's only around for one year. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and then and then sign one of those uh, big free agent names. I think they might – I would slightly disagree that they're – despite my comment of the Scherzer – what I meant by Scherzer is he's still great even at his age. But I'm yeah. not sure they the broken down ones, like a Kershaw, I'm not sure there's much left there. I'm not sure about Verlander either. You want to overpay for that because they tried that with Kluber this year and didn't mm-hmm. work. Um, so maybe a Gosman would be up there, yeah. a guy who's still kind of in his prime, you know. 
Yeah, and there's also the, the whole two sides have to tango thing. I'm not sure Zach yeah. Greinke is going anywhere near New York. <laughs> Good point, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot. So they're in a bind. I feel like I should write an article about it. Um, there's a lot. Because it's, it's an interesting sort of, you know, which way will they go kind of dilemma they're in, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, we can we can stop it there for the most part because uh, I don't want to take up all the words you're yep. going to write down in your article. However, that transitions us into our first trade of the week, which is, of course involving the Yankees, and it's from user BernieW51. In this one, they do dip into, obviously it's a trade of the week, they dip into their trade capital there and acquire Cattell Marte from the Arizona Diamondbacks, center fielder slash in middle infielder, so he could really, he could solve multiple problems for them depending on where they decided to use him. We have him at $40.8 million in median trade value. In exchange, the Diamondbacks will be receiving uh, their top infield prospect, Oswald Peraza. Oswald, correct? Yes, Oswald Peraza mm-hmm. at $25.5 yep. in median trade value, as well as right-handed pitchers Yoendris Gomez, a pitching prospect, $7.5 million, and Domingo Herman at 10.4, who's obviously in the big leagues. So the way that adds up is 40.8 headed to the Yankees in Marte, 43.4 headed to the D-backs in that package, so it's pretty even there. Um, to me, the, the first immediate hang-up there is that I don't know what Herman does for the D-backs. <laughs> yeah. I don't think yeah, that the makes D- much yeah. sense. Yeah, I was just going to make that point, so I agree. Um, and the D-backs had uh, what tied for the worst record in baseball, right? So yeah. they're not – so I think it's time they started thinking about trading Marte because he has only two years left on his contract, so by the time they're competitive again, he may not be around. Now, they loved him. They may want to resign him. He's their main guy. Um you know, GM Mike Hazen of the Diamondbacks unfortunately had a health issue with his wife, who he's, he's kind of, uh, he had to take some time off and deal with that. So that's why I don't think they wanted to entertain any serious moves at the deadline. But now in the offseason, um, they might sit down and say, okay, what's our strategy, guys? And, and, and maybe, you know, they've got a really strong farm. They've got some really good prospects coming. Um, so it may be the right time to trade Marte. I think that may be um, a, a big thing we're going to hear about. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Peraza um, is interesting, but they also have other shortstop prospects coming up. So I'm not sure they would. I'm not sure if he's going to stick at shortstop. Um, but I mean, as they rebuild, you know, Nick Ahmed's you know not going to be there that much longer. So he's not going to be around for their next competitive window. So they'd be looking at. I think they've got a well. They drafted Jordan Lawler, but he's obviously a high school kid. He's way behind. Yeah. Um, so actually, no, I stand corrected. They're, they're two big prospects are Alec Thomas and Corbin Carroll, both outfielders. And then they've got some good mm-hmm. pitching prospects. So actually, I, I take it back. Um, I was thinking of um, Peguero, who's already made it to the big leagues, mm-hmm. hasn't really done much yet. He was their short, uh, shortstop prospect. I'm sorry, not Peguero. Geraldo Perdomo. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> they traded Peguero for, for the Pirates. Okay, all right. All right. Yeah, I was remembering they had both of those guys. They traded one of them, so they still have Perdomo. They, I'm not sure how they feel about him. He's, you know, he, he's not that uh, touted of a prospect, so maybe they'd be interested in a Peraza. So, okay, fine. I've talked myself into it. But I still agree <laughs> with you about Her- Herman. I don't think they have any need for that. I think you want to swap him out of the deal and get maybe a, a younger pitching prospect mm-hmm. for the Yankees. Yeah, if Herman had five years of control or even four, if he was 26 or 27, something like that, I could see it a little bit more. Um, I, I know the D-backs, and this could be me looking at it through some uh, Sedona red-tinted glasses here living <laughs> in Arizona. I know the D-backs were an utter disappointment this season, but they did have some players who really 
showed some flashes. Dalton Varsho, former top mm-hmm. prospect, he really came on in the second half. Paven Smith, uh, Seth Beer had a great week before he got hurt. <laughs> um, <laughs> th- th- there's talent there. Zach Gallen had a very rough year, but they expect a lot more from him going forward. I don't think they they never planned on being this bad during this kind of retool that they had going on. They kind of planned on hanging around 500, and they still have those like top top prospects. They had that one draft year, I believe it was 2019 where they just had so many picks in the top, like, 75 because of all the competitive balance and stuff like that. Um, and so they, they've been building talent, and they didn't think they would ever stoop this low. And the flip side of that is that they get some top picks out of it. <laughs> and so that'll help them a little bit farther down the road. But I think they they don't necessarily think they're going to contend in 2022, but they could be looking at 2023, 2024 of starting to get back there. Not so much of a long, long three, four, five year rebuild from here. Um, so if there was, a, if that pitcher in Herman spot was just spitballing off the top of my head, I don't have the values pulled up, but one of those, uh, one of their like Luis Hill types or Davey Garcia, I know those guys have both seen their stock kind of bounce around recently, but just those still MLB ready starting Luis, pitchers. Luis Medina is a right-hand pitcher. He's 9.5 on our model. Okay. Gomez is 7.5. So one of those kind of guys. Yeah. Gomez is already in this deal. Oh, um, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Collect <laughs> um, Schmidt is 7.5. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Schmidt and Garcia, I know, have seen their stock drop this year. Yeah, Garcia in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but just subbing out for another name like that, like this isn't one of those trades like the Pirates have been making where all these guys need to be in A-ball because that fits their timeline better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see something like that working, but Herman just doesn't make sense. He's already heading into yeah. arbitration. He has some off-field issues that – or he had some off-field issues that could still kind of cloud his value and his – appeal to other teams and so it, that part of it doesn't necessarily make sense and then I, I think Marte um, his value has taken a pretty significant hit just because he, he's very affordable that's that's the biggest perk to him is he's very affordable that contract team very, very team friendly they signed it to him to it before he really broke out um, but he's also dealt with a lot of really nagging hamstring injuries the last couple of years, and his 2020 wasn't the greatest. His 2021 was kind of a return to form, but he kept hopping off and on and off the IL, and so that's a bit of a concern for a guy who's you're hoping to run out there at one of those more active positions, either second base or center field. Yeah, and so, so the open question there is, is he a center fielder? Because as we yeah. just mentioned... You know, that's the hole they need to fill in New York. And they've got yeah. two second basemen already. If they trade one of them, they still got one. So he's probably going to be, a, you know, is he a serious center fielder? I haven't looked at how he's done defensively there. Um, the fact that the Diamondbacks moved him back to second suggests maybe he's not a perfect fit. So I wonder about that, too. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this isn't to, <laughs> to say this is a bad proposal by any means. It's a very popular one that, you know, everybody has been ticketing Cato in, in New York for a little while now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, cause he fits their, what they need pretty well. He's a quote unquote center fielder. <laughs> he's a switch hitter and he's a top of the Lorna top of the order kind of table setter, not selling out for power type guy. Um, yeah. Yikes. Looking at it on Savant, he was in the fifth percentile of outs above average this year. Okay. And fifth percentile of outfielder jump. Uh, you, you don't want to be there. You want to be on the other side of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so he's not a center fielder. Yeah, unless unless that could just be, you know, he played through some of those hamstring injuries this year, takes an off-season rest up, and he's back to normal. I could see that argument, uh, but not looking too great yeah. as far as his long-term prospects in the outfield. And he's still 
27. <laughs> I yeah. mean, yeah. he's still so young, it's a little concerning to have these issues crop up so early in his career. But uh, regardless of what position you're sticking him at, he's a great hitter. It's just his value takes a pretty notable hit if he is second base only. Yeah, right. And and maybe at that point, the Yankees decide to go a different direction, decide he's not worth giving up Peraza. They need to yeah. use that chip somewhere else. Yeah. Okay, so we picked it apart. When I first <laughs> saw it, I thought, oh, I kind of like this framework. With maybe a, a swap out or two of Vermont, but, but yeah, now I'm not so sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Regardless, I see where you're coming from, Bernie W51. Thanks for the submission. Mm-hmm. Uh, now let's transition into the Cleveland Guardians, who uh, also missed the playoffs. Uh, but they have they have a very, despite being in a, a very different spot from the Yankees, the Yankees are kind of in this, we got to win now. This is where I have so much pressure on us to win now. How do we do it? Instead, in, in Cleveland, it's just going to be, all right, what the heck is the plan here? We've got so many moving pieces. <laughs> we got to figure something out because if we just sit around here, this isn't going to work out. Um, and, and John wrote a whole article about it, about kind of identifying and going deep into a roster issue that I was not even aware was so severe in Cleveland. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll let you take over from here and explain just what they're up against. So they've got a big roster crunch problem. And um, it's really pressure from um, the guys coming up the system um, they have to be added to the 40-man roster and if they don't they're going to be eligible for the rule 5 draft in other words cleveland would lose them for nothing if they were not added to the 40 and they were exposed so they've got to add them to the 40 problem is there's no room to add them to the 40 and they're all good prospects so you know and a lot of them are middle infielders tyler freeman the second base type brian rocchio as a shortstop Aaron Bracco is a second baseman. Uh, even a couple more guys down the ladder, Jose Tania, Richie Paz. There's eight of these, eight total that need to be added to the 40 this year that have value in our system that are over one and a half. Um, five of those are middle infielders. And that's not even including guys that are already there. Like you got Ahmed Rosario at short. They've been playing Andres uh, Jimenez at second. So, and by the way, Freeman Rock, and Rocchio are... You know, they've been in double A and they've been doing very well. So they should be in triple A next year and knocking on the door at the MLB level. And oh, by the way, they've got Gabriel Arias, uh, another shortstop prospect, which looks very promising. He's been sitting at triple A. He's already on the 40. So what are you going to do with him? So they've got to trade a couple of outfielders, a couple of infielders. Um, the problem is, is, and it doesn't stop there. George Valera outfielder has to be added. A catching prospect, Brian Lavastida has to be added. Uh, pitcher Joey Cantillo. You know, so there's eight guys they need to add to the roster, and they don't have enough room for them. And if even if they solve it this year, there's another eight guys coming the following year. Bo Naylor, Angel Martinez, give me, I could go on. So like this is going to continue, and that's not even including guys who may be performing well who don't have to be added, but you might want to. There's a left-handed pitcher named Logan Allen, not to be confused with the other Logan Allen, but he was a, a draft pick last year in the in 2020 in the second round, who's looked very good. He's climbing the ladder. He's already made it to double-A. And, you know, with Cleveland and their pitching prospects, he's an exciting young pitcher. He may want to – they may want to create room for him, so save a spot for him. So what are you going to do with all these guys? <clears throat> so, you know, they've got to make some hard choices. Um, I think – 
you know, I think they can work out with the catcher. They're both their starting catchers have been disappointing, but they need to keep at least one of those guys and make room for Labastida that way. Okay, that's one. Outfielders are going to have to tender out. Uh, Oscar Mercado is probably on the bubble. He's probably a non-tender. Uh, relievers, they've got some guys who they probably will not tender, but they're mostly older veteran types that they can swap out for other older veteran types, so that's kind of a wash. So the infielders, that's where all the action is. And one of the sort of most um, popular trade targets on our site is Jose Ramirez. I don't think they're going to trade Jose Ramirez because I think with Bieber coming back um, and that strong rotation, I think they're going to go for it again. And uh, as we look at what the White Sox are doing in the playoffs, assuming they don't make it that far, I think Cleveland might say, hmm, we've actually got a shot next year. I think we can take them. So I think they've just got to work out this 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 roster crunch problem. And I, by the way, I didn't even mention Nolan Jones. is another one of their top prospects who's a third baseman. They've got a, him already on the 42. So I don't know where they're going to put him. So my point is, it's trading season in Cleveland. Other teams know this. They've got, they have to trade. It's much like when the Padres had a roster crunch. They had too many prospects, you know, bursting the, out of the seams. And they cut some deals that were probably not that favorable on paper because they knew they had to move quantity. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. so so that's what's happening in Cleveland. They've got to move some quantity. They're probably trading, you know, in, in my speculation here, um, probably at least four of these guys that I mentioned. I think Andre Semenis is a candidate to be traded. He was part of the Lindor deal back uh, last year, but he hasn't been. He lost his starting uh, shortstop job to uh, Rosario. They kind of flip flop there, which is interesting. Um, but they did uh, after they traded Cesar Hernandez, uh, second baseman to the White Sox. They plugged in Jimenez. He's okay. His bat's not playing. He's a good glove, but you know how many of these guys have we seen were sort of like your weak hitting glove first middle infielder second base line. there's not a whole lot of value there so his stock has dropped quite a bit so i think he may be a candidate but then they've got to trade three more of those guys i've mentioned i was thinking maybe rocco palacios and tana look the most expensive spendable but they're not going to hold that much of heel because they've been kind of they're kind of the lower end of the spectrum so i think they're going to have to like pony up and like we we're talking about the yankees paying the price they're going to have to probably pay the price too and make a decision on freeman rockio and arias they're not going to be able to keep all those guys so other teams are going to be salivating thinking hey these are really good prospects i can maybe get a bargain for that's what's interesting to me you might be able to pick up and you know i was thinking if you're if you're the a's and you're going to need a whole bunch of new sort of young talent this may be a place you might want to look to shop, you know. Um, if the Indians are going for it, Matt Olson might be a fit here because they have a hole in first base. Bobby Bradley did not win the job. He's looked terrible there. Um, so they could theoretically be a landing spot for Olson, and maybe the A's could get back a couple of these guys. So uh, it's interesting when you think about the possibilities here. Uh, Cleveland's going to be a very active team on the trading market this winter. Yeah, I think that's a... Really good assessment of a really messy situation. I also want to add um, to the Jose Ramirez discussion that trading him just further complicates it because you're not getting just one guy back for Jose Ramirez. You're probably getting four or five guys, at least three guys, three to five guys there. And at least one or two of them is either going to need to be protected right away or will need to be protected in a year or two. So it's just adding to the problem maybe kicking the can down the road a little bit but if especially if you are going into a jose ramirez trade thinking all right i need to clear this roster spot i cannot get anybody who needs to be rostered right now then you're really making things more difficult on yourself and you might be sacrificing talent just to you know clear that roster spot right 
So I, I agree that that's very unlikely to me. Um, I I think if the Yankees weren't the capital Y Yankees, this would be a good space, a good spot for them to take advantage of as well. And you know, if, if they want to stay under the luxury tax and they need to sort out their middle infield situation, here you go. I mean, take a chance on Andres Jimenez, bring him back to New York. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen because they're going to be shooting much, much higher than that uh, because they are the Yankees. But mm-hmm. you could see some other contenders or pseudo contenders kind of sneaking in here, taking advantage. Maybe the Cincinnati Reds find a spot here there you where go. they don't really yeah. have a true shortstop. I mean, Jose Garcia has had a really good season for them in the minor leagues. And in, I think he returned to the majors this year and didn't really do too yeah. much, but um, he's looking like a, 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 not a cornerstone necessarily, but a really solid piece for them going forward. But, you know, get him a little bit of help. Maybe you can, have some flexibility with Mike Moustakis then, and I don't, I don't know. They have a, they're a whole nother story there. <laughs> if we're talking about yeah. crowded, crowded infield type things, um, but that's just another example of a team that could, you know, come in and take it. And it's not necessarily taking advantage because they're not going to get a huge discount on any of these guys. But it's just, hey, if Cleveland has all these guys and they need, they don't know what to do with all of them, they need to move some of them. Why don't you come in and help them out and see if you can get a little discount there. I actually think it might be smart. We were talking about the Rockies earlier. They, mm-hmm. assuming they don't re-sign Story, they've got a hold at shortstop. So here's a place you can go shopping, Rockies. Um, maybe it's uh, Jimenez, or maybe it's uh, Freeman or or um, Arias. You know, we've got a good young. They've got some some. They're trading, <laughs> you know. So um, yeah, there's some opportunities there. Um, I just want to mention there's a couple of guys who. Uh, whose stock has kind of dropped. Aaron Brocco was a former top prospect. He's had a miserable mm-hmm. year, um, and I, he may be left unprotected. So a team might want to take a chance on him in Rule 5. Uh, Joey Cantino is a, Cantillo is another one. He's been injured most of the year. Um, I'm not sure. They're probably going to let, let him uh, slide as well because mm-hmm. he's he's only made it to A ball, and then doubtful anybody's going to pick up an injured A-ball pitcher no matter how talented because he's so far away. So those guys are probably going to have – but I haven't even mentioned some of the other guys. There's an outfielder named Stephen Kwan who's also Rule 5 eligible who's been raking. He's not a top prospect, but he, he may be a, end up being a quad-A guy, but he's another guy that you might take a chance on and try to get some value out of. He reminds just me all of over Kai Tom. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I was thinking that too. So um, so I, I, I drew the line at 1.5, but there's a few other guys under that line that also need to be added. So like there could mm-hmm. be even more action there. And to look on the other end of it, there is the possibility of more of these guys in the uh, in next season's list who could fall off between now and then because, you know, there's a lot that can happen. But then there's also those guys that can burst onto the scene and pop up. And, yeah. oh, that's su- that surprising high A reliever that worked his way through the system. Now he's big league ready. We want to add him to the roster. Now that further complicates things. So it's the best you can do is kind of estimate it from here on out and estimating it from here on out. They have a lot more coming, coming in a lot more spots that they're going to need than they have open right now. And they're going to have to do some work. And and this is a thing that Cleveland has been aware of. It's not like this is blindsiding them. They, they have been keeping track, much better track of this than we have, I'm sure. And have some ideas and maybe some of them just haven't worked out. And, Maybe they just maybe it's the, the type of situation where you want to wait until kind of the last minute so you really know what you're working with. You don't want to 
say, okay, I need eight roster spots next offseason. I need to trade all eight of these guys, open those right. up, or start trading guys to open these up. And then you get to the next offseason, and, oh, Bo Naylor has a concussion and wasn't hitting yeah. at all. And, whoops, maybe I don't need to pr- – I mean, he's not a good example because they'll yeah. probably protect him either way. But, oh, Peyton Battenfield, Tommy John, don't need to protect him, or whatever mm-hmm. the case is. Yeah. So you, you can only plan so far in advance for these things. And so I'm hoping the Guardians have some sort of a plan for at least this upcoming offseason and clearing those eight-ish spots they'll need. Um, but it's there's going to be some activity. They need to do yeah. something is kind of the, the takeaway here. Yeah, totally. So, um, uh, by the way, I, w- I just want to uh, give a heads up to uh, we have many Cleveland fans on our site who continue to kind of make this point and a lot of trade proposals on our site. Um, by other non-Cleveland fans who are not aware of this roster crunch. So inevitably in these replies, you say, hey, no, it's not going to work for Cleveland because we can't take on more guys. We're trying to get yeah. rid of guys. <laughs> you know, so like, yeah. you know, and they keep making that point. So I just want to salute them for a second and say, hey, yes, you guys are right. I know. <laughs> so now, yeah, so that's the context getting back to this trade of the week between the Angels and the Guardians. That's the context here. One other point is obviously the... Uh, Guardians, I almost said Indians, the guard, Guardians need outfield help. Uh, that's mm-hmm. been true for a couple of years now. So in this trade, they'd be getting Joe Adele, a kind of a buy-low candidate and a former top prospect who mm-hmm. hasn't quite delivered yet, um, which is interesting to me um, to maybe take a shot with him. And since we just mentioned they need to clear some quantity, they'd be giving away three pieces. So I'll let you take it from here, but but that's the context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like this one a lot. Uh, it's from user Ed Dreyer. Edryer, Ed Ryer, one of the two, Edryer 2000, um, and it has the Guardians acquiring, as you mentioned, outfielder Joe Adele from the Angels, only 22, 18 million in trade value, in exchange for Jimenez, who's 23-year-old shortstop, 20, 12.3 in trade value, Eli Morgan, 25-year-old starting pitcher, at 5.3, and Jack Moss, Scott Jack Moss, Moss Scott Moss. Who is Jack Moss? I don't know. Scott Moss at 0.9 million in trade value, left-handed pitching prospect. And so, uh, I think the only the only holdup I could see here is if the Angels do value Adele higher than 18, because mm-hmm. it is such a far way for him to have fallen. Not that I don't trust the model by any means, but just that they could be internally higher on him than they could still believe in him. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, they do have, I mean, obviously they have Mike Trout and they have Justin Upton stuck there another year, whether he's an outfielder or not is a different story. Um, but they have Brandon Marsh who showed some really good flashes in his kind of cup of coffee in 2021. Uh, they have, uh, who's that other outfielder? Oh no. Um, <laughs> they had another outfield prospect, Jordan Adams. Uh, yeah. He's kind of on his way up. And so not to, not to say that you only need three outfielders, at any time and, and they should bank on those three guys being the three but you know they have a whole lot of other issues on that roster in anaheim and they this could be a way to address it because their infield really struggled last year obviously there were some injuries there but you know david fletcher took a huge step back and jose iglesias was fine but then they traded him and so now they don't really have a shortstop they were playing luis ranjifo who has some legal issues there jack mayfield saw a lot of playing time that's not ideal no uh, Anthony Rendon will hopefully be back, but who knows? Maybe they need to keep him off his feet to keep him healthy, keep him in a DH role every now and then. Um, so Andres Jimenez makes a lot of sense for them as, as taking a gamble on a guy who could become their everyday shortstop for a few years. And then yeah, Eli Morgan, it's, a, it's an organization that 
always need starting pitching. We saw them draft exclusively pitchers this last uh, this mm-hmm. last amateur draft. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a, he's a guy I've had my eye on for a little bit now, Eli Morgan. He's probably more of a back-end guy, but he's a little interesting. And so mm-hmm. maybe he, they take a gamble on him. And in this deal, as you alluded to, the Guardians clear three roster spots, or clear two roster spots. They give up three pieces for one. Yeah. Um, and it just and it helps clear that logjam. So I, I like it a lot. Yeah, I do too. Um, and, you know, it makes a lot of sense from a, a fit or a needs perspective, right? Cleveland needs an outfielder. Angels need a shortstop and a pitcher. So, you know, I think that's part of the driver here. Um, if you really wanted to pick it apart, Jimenez still hasn't hit yet. And so, but then again, Iglesias wasn't really known for his bat either. He's a glove first guy. And Jimenez is kind of a younger version of him. So that could, that could, that could maybe, uh, see, and he's not like a, um, you know, he's not so young that, you know, you need him to get his feet wet. He's already gotten his feet wet, so he may be ready to take the next step. So you could argue for the positive side of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and same with Eli Morgan, who, you know, got got his feet wet this year in the rotation and had some good starts. He, maybe he's not an ace, but to your point, you know, but, you know, God knows <laughs> the Angels need <laughs> pitching. So, you know, so there's a there's a good, yep. I think the big question, which you include right away, is whether they sell low on Adele. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's a question also that involves the future of their outfield. So if you if you pencil in, let's say Trout's getting over, he's going to move to left. Let's say Marsh is your future center fielder. Upton, I think, only has one year left, and he's obviously on his last legs. So who's yeah. your f- future right fielder? That's probably Odell. Adele, that's what they're thinking. So mm-hmm. they'd be giving up on their future right fielder. Now, obviously, he's been disappointing. He had a little bit of a uh, kind of a step forward this year we'll say after his miserable 2020 um at least in in triple a you know he's hitting homers but he's not hitting high for average that's Mm -hmm. still a consistent problem he's got some holes in his swing and that's becoming a little more clear if you hear talk around the industry like okay he's got some tools but maybe the hit tool is the weakest part so he may end up just being an athletic you know right fielder who hits a bunch of home runs um Mm -hmm. That's what it's starting to look like, and that's fine, you know, but it's not maybe a superstar. Mm-hmm. But he's also shown us, at least at the big league level, that he's not necessarily the cleanest outfield defender. There well, that's some, true, too. Uh, some yeah. lights out there. Um, <laughs> I, give him, I give him a pass on that because he was so young and kind of yeah. thrown in, a, you know, when he wasn't ready, maybe, yeah. you know, so but, but maybe that gets worked out. Yeah. Um, I also want to add real quick that uh, Jordan Adams was abysmal in 2021. He had a 66 WRC plus in 20 in uh, yeah. high A, and a 37.8 percent strikeout rate. So maybe he's That's not uh, maybe he's not quite <laughs> in that tier with Martian Adams. But I mean, this is a team yeah. that always has money. They have the Pujols money is off the books now. Uh, the Upton money will be off the books soon. You know, Cobb and, and a couple other names that are coming off the books here. So maybe they can maybe not make a huge splash. The outfield market is pretty weak, but. You know, go grab an Eddie Rosario, a Jock Peterson, one of those guys to, mm-hmm. to platoon him with Adam Duvall. No, Adam Duvall has another year on his contract. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. platoon him with somebody. It makes something work in that third outfield spot. It doesn't make something yeah. work in the shorter term while they wait to try to figure something out in the longer term. It, it They don't need to entirely bank on Adele. They have other options there. Um, yeah. And yeah, I do but... like this. Uh... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt. I didn't mean to. Um, I just want to say, but they probably want to spend most of their capital, their money, their mm-hmm. monetary capital on pitching. Mm-hmm. And that's all where all the pressure is. And um, and you do need a shortstop. You figure Fletcher is probably going to hold down second base, even though he had a dreadful year. Um, so, 
but that also means they probably don't want to give up Adele just yet because that means mm-hmm. they don't want to spend money on, on the free agent market for a right fielder because yeah, they're already spending money on Upton this year anyway. So maybe they yeah. wait another year and give it give it time to see if they can get by. And maybe by that point, Adele really is ready. So mm-hmm. maybe that's their strategy there. Yeah, could see that. I, I do like this uh, comment, though, on the trade from user Gson, uh saying that, you know, they could expand it just a tiny bit Give the uh, give the Angels a viable backup outfielder. He proposed adding Bradley Zimmer in on the mm-hmm. Guardians to the Angels side, and then Kai Bush heading to the Guardians in exchange um, would keep the trade pretty even. Mm-hmm. I, I could say even if you just slap in a free Oscar Mercado, <laughs> that, that could <laughs> also just get the job done if you don't want to if, yeah. if the, right. the uh, Guardians don't want to be giving up any actual outfield talent and the Angels are just looking for a real bench guy. Yeah. Uh, but okay. yeah, that, that could just be a little little add-on here. But yeah, I like the framework a lot. It, it, I think we both agree that it all just really hinges on Adele because I don't think there's any... I mean, the Guardians probably aren't looking necessarily to move Morgan. I think he's a guy they'd like to hang on to, but he's not going to hold up a deal like this, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it really just is on Adele. Yeah. All right. So that is our second trade of the week. Thank you. Ed Ryer, E. Dryer, 2000. And I think that's uh, that's more or less all we have planned for today. Did you have anything else you wanted to get to? No, I think it's enough for now because uh, we haven't gotten all that busy yet. We're watching the playoffs. We're, uh, But we are seeing more activity and more sort of fans coming to the site because their teams are out of it now. Uh, Yankees are out of it. Cardinals, you know, So we're starting to see more of that. And as, as that happens, you'll start to see more activity. I just wanted to make one note that we're still – uh, doing updates. We haven't finished yet. Um, the the last pass you saw was the September one. We haven't really done the final final end of year one. And the, so you'll, those so you'll see some numbers move a little bit. Probably not too dramatically, but just so you know. I mean, everybody can make trades confidently because we're in the ballpark already. But mm-hmm. they'll move a little bit. Mm-hmm. Last question for you: As of Sunday, October tenth, who's your pick for the World Series? Um, Dodgers. All right, boring. I love it. <laughs> I know. I just, you know, when it comes down to it, like I think they're the best team, and I'm still not yeah. totally sold on the Giants. And you know, these, you know, Giants won what 107 games, and the Dodgers mm-hmm. won 106. I mean, so if you're not sold on the 107 win team, then you got to go to the 106 win team, right? Yeah. And there's nobody yeah. close to them, you know. Mm-hmm. I personally have Rays over Brewers, which is a little bit boring, but I guess it's I guess picking the Brewers to at least make the World Series. Well, is, that is that pitching staff, those top three starters are scary. I love yeah. I love watching them because but they're scary to other teams, you know. So, yeah. Um, yeah, if they can get by with those, I've seen I've I've seen that work many times in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. I I, I kind of you know I, I have a soft spot for the Brewers and I I like the Rays too. So I hope mm-hmm. I hope you're right. I, I compare the Brewers staff to the 2019 Nationals a little bit where they're just they're going to be able to leverage those top five guys and have them throw the vast majority of their important innings. And and I trust Greg Council to do that. I think he's a really good manager. But yep. Yep. Yeah, now we're rambling. OK. All right. <laughs> all right. That will do it for this week. Thank you all so much for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to shoot us an email at baseballtradevalues at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at baseballvalues. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back in a couple weeks to break down more news and updates. So until then, stay safe and enjoy the season. Oh, excuse me. Enjoy the postseason. <laughs> Thanks, John. Thanks, Josh.